Life Audio. Christian Parent Crazy World with Katherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. I am your host, Katherine Seegers, and in today's episode, we will tackle this vitally important question. What critical foundation do many parents miss when discipling their kids? Yeah, what we're talking about today is discipleship in the home for the whole family. Where does that start? I mean, how do you go about discipling your kids? Do you use a particular curriculum or a new Bible study? Or is there a checklist that gets the job done? Look, all of those things can be very helpful. They can be great, but they aren't the foundation. All discipleship needs to start with a spiritual truth that so many parents miss because often they don't know it themselves. My special guest today is going to unpack this foundational truth for us, and then he's going to help us apply that truth to our kids so that we can help them figure out why God made them. That is a very tall order for an hour of your time, but we are up to the challenge, moms and dads. That's the plan for this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World. So let's get started. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Leah Martin says, pure power, love, love, love. This podcast, lively, biblical, real, entertaining, just the best. Aw. I love you too, Leah. You are the best. Thanks for leaving that incredible review of Christian Parent Crazy World on Apple Podcasts. Would you consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts yourself, mamas and papas? I would really appreciate it. <laughs> it would really make my day. And be sure to subscribe at katherineseekers.com in order to receive a ton of free resources for your parenting journey. You know, I have a wonderful new welcome series that we just rolled out. It bundles my ever-growing list of resources for parents of prodigals, for moms and dads who feel marginalized, for parents and children who struggle with mental health issues. I've assembled parenting scripture lists and scripture songs. Yeah, I am a very busy mama and I'm giving all this stuff away for free by subscribing at my website. And of course, I will keep you up to date with my latest podcast 
articles, and speaking engagements. Alrighty, so my guest today... Wow, where do I even start? Robbie Engel is the president and CEO of Trueface, a ministry which he's going to tell you more about. Uh, He and his wife, Emily, have the most beautiful family, eight kids, which he's going to tell you more about. And he has been a missionary in some of the most dangerous parts of the world, which he will tell you more about as well. He also holds a business degree from the University of Florida and a master's degree in counseling from Appalachian State University, which he won't tell you more about, but I just did. You know, this guy knows a lot about relationships, how we as believers need to relate to God and how we as parents need to relate to our kids. And besides all that, he is one of the most dynamic articulate, intuitive, and entertaining people I have ever met. That makes Robbie the perfect person to help us understand the biblical foundation through which all of our discipleship must flow. And then when we've got that right, we can guide our kids on a journey to find their purpose and life. Like I said, that's a lot of ground to cover. So let's jump right in. Robbie, it is such an honor to have you here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Catherine. Super excited to be on here. Oh, you have such a fascinating bio, okay? Uh, fascinating history, both both personally and ministerially. So let's start with your family. You and your wife have eight kids. Five of them are adopted. Why don't you share with us how your family came to be? Yeah, well, my wife is super cute and we were dating and <laughs> she had been to an orphanage and when she was like 15 on a mission trip and she was like, yep. so we're dating and she's like, hey, I just, you need to know I'm adopting. What do you think about that? And I was like, of course, that's always been on my heart. You're hot, whatever. Let's you know, get married. So I was thinking two bio, two adopted. We got, it, it, it's, we started adopted, surprise twins. Birth mom didn't know she was having twins. So two baby boys, they ended up in the NICU for, is it one of them ended up in the NICU for three months, uh, touch and go whether he'd live or not the first six months of his life. <sighs> and so the highest high of my life, you know, two five pound, beautiful baby boys, and then watching one get helicopter evac'd to the NICU. And I'm a, at that point, a professional counselor, aid worker, pretty resilient, awesome professional Christian. And that was a season of, I have no idea what prayer looks like, dependence looks like, trust looks like. These are all concepts that I know that I don't know, no, when your son's dying and they discharge them at three months and said, we don't know if he's going to live or not. And so I watched them slowly die from month three to six. <sighs> and then he miraculously turned the corner. He's incredibly healthy, 12 and a half year old, who's almost as tall as me now. And then we adopted Naomi and a healthy baby was super easy. So we're like, this parenting thing is real easy after <laughs> traumatic NICU life of living in a Ronald McDonald house and mm-hmm. almost getting fired and wife quitting. And so then I think that messed with us, like the depth uh, and I can talk about how I coped and it changed my perspective, but that perspective led to us having eight kids. So three bio, three adopted then three bio white boys. And then we adopted two, uh, another set of twins, uh, boy, girl twins, Emmy and Eli, who are four and a half. So eight kids in eight years, our dance parties are off the chain. <laughs> and, uh, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, so and it's racially diverse family for those who yeah. haven't pictured it, right? You've got yeah. you've got five black kids, three white kids. Wow, that is beautiful. I I loved the picture of your family that I saw online. I was like, oh, what a gorgeous family! I I don't come from nearly as racially a diverse family as you do. My sister is adopted from South Korea, though, yeah. and so I I was raised in a family where she looked completely different than I did, and come. Kind of, came from a very, very different culture. Of course, she came when she was five months old. She was actually, ugh, interestingly, she was left on the side of a road in a basket by her mother. And the orphanage workers went along there, I think, every day. They knew that that she would be found. And so she came to be a part of our family. And that that was always such, I think that's the most amazing thing when you can raise kids in an environment where you've got adopted children and biological children, and they're all the same. They're all equally loved. And, you know, it took me a long time when I was a child before I realized 
why people thought it was odd that my sister looked so different than me because it was such a natural and normal thing. So that's, yeah. that's beautiful. It's a fun, I mean, we do have a beautiful family, uh, but it's also just a representation of the guy. I mean, we're all about what kingdom yes. will look like. And I know. yeah, we, we have a lot of fun. We're super thankful. Uh, that's wonderful. And in addition to that, you and your wife served as missionaries with Samaritan's Purse in some very, very rough parts of the world. Um, if you happen to call yourself a Christian, t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I've been all over the place. I just hit 40 a couple months ago, Catherine, uh-huh. on midlife adjustments of trying to figure out my life. But Congratulations. Welcome to the downhill side of life. <laughs> that's right. Uh, a little bit, of, quite a bit ahead of you, but uh, yeah. It's been an adventure of, of uh-huh. trusting Jesus one step at a time. And I was a fine, and my dad left his law practice in eighth grade to go into young life staff. And so that oh, was a yeah. huge testimony. And then I said, I'm going to go to the you know, I'm a high drive, high achiever, type A, eighth Enneagram, all the issues, you know, it's always like the toughest ministry field is the business world. So I studied finance thinking I was going into the business world as an entrepreneur for Jesus. And then I ended up in Pakistan with Samaritan's Purse after the earthquake in 05. And then within Myanmar after the cyclone in 08, doing disaster response work. And then I ended up in counseling because my wife said, your passion is relationships. Your interest is entrepreneurial strategic stuff. So I want a husband doing his passion, which is relationships. And so I said, baby, I'm not sweet or empathetic or a good listener. And she said, go into counseling. <laughs> and so, and God knew I needed about five years of that to to round out my rough edges of unempathetic, unloving, unpatient relational dynamics. And after that, I ended up at a church which I never thought I'd work at a church because typically I was like, they're terrible places to work, you know? Uh, <laughs> so ended up at a church for about seven or eight years. And then, and then to true face, which was a ministry that I was using their teaching at the church. And mm-hmm. then the authors and the, the thought, the founders of the ministry were getting old, looking for a, a younger guy and I fit the bill. And so it's been an adventure, but yeah, and the principles God taught me along the way, we could unpack for days, but Pakistan was a pretty significant season where I understood grace and my identity in a new way. But yeah. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. That's fascinating because I mean, I've met a lot of missionaries over the years. I, I, I was reaching back in my mind. I'm like, have I met a missionary to Pakistan? I I don't think so. I know that a lot of places can be very difficult. I mean, just the kind of faith you would have to learn to live with day by day in such a dangerous place as a Christian. What was that like? I just have to ask, What is what was that like? Yeah, it was actually the source of my issues. Because I was such an awesome Christian for Jesus because I was in Northern Pakistan. So I, you know, high drive, high achievers, those of us who want to do awesome stuff for Jesus, I I had a pretty authentic faith at a young age. Life's short. God's the only thing that matters. Therefore, let's go, God. Yeah. Again, firstborn son, high drive. And so there's that subtle whisper that a lot of us hear growing up in the church that if you really love Jesus, you'll either be Billy Graham or a missionary in Africa. That's like the epitome yeah. of awesome stuff for Jesus, right? In my head. And so 
I'm, you know, and I have this overwhelming awareness of the brevity of life. God's the only thing that matters. And so it was this amazing, I was like, this is amazing. This opportunity after waiting on God's direction for my next steps, he opened this opportunity and I'm three months into Pakistan or I'm about six months into stuff going awesome. I'm leading the base in Muzaffarabad, the capital of Kashmir, doing disaster response stuff up in the Karakoram Mountains. And I got a bunch of grants. I built a team of 40 people. Literally, a helicopter dropped me off in Muzaffarabad because our grant fell through. And my boss said, go up to Muzaffarabad, see if you can get some operations going. And I, I did great. God was answering prayers. It was growing doing amazing ministry in these villages that had never met Westerners. And therefore I got to represent Jesus by being a white guy Yeah, for the first Westerner they'd ever met in their life. And so they're sitting, I mean, the ministry was amazing. And so on paper, this is like amazing to me. I'm like, God, how cool that this is way ahead of schedule of being an awesome Christian. Like, cause <laughs> missionaries in Africa are lightweights, right? I'm in Al-Qaeda territory and I was so on, it was so disorienting because on paper, everything is everything I'd hoped for, but internally I was a mess. Like I was the most disconnected than I'd ever felt spiritually, the most confused spiritually, but on paper, everything was favor on favor. It was awesome. It was fun. And I was, I was, God knows my father knows how he made me, Catherine, and he mm-hmm. knows exactly how he made me and what I would need to come to the end of myself and realize the depths of my pride. And that for me was super success in the Christian world to come to a point of realizing the depths of my pride. So I was on, I was on our roof in Muzaffarabad and I was completely disoriented six months and going, what is happening? Everything's perfect. And I'm a mess inside. And I felt in that moment of God going, Robbie, I love you. I love your drive, but I'm good. I don't need you to do anything for me. Thanks for your attempts. Thanks for your hustle, but I don't need you to do anything for me. And in fact, I this is what I heard, that, you know, the subtle whisper of the spirit that comes in real hard and real subtly that you're like, that didn't come from the fabrication of my mind. I heard this, I, I had this feeling of God saying, I don't stop. I don't need you to do anything for me. And I'd rather you go back to the States and be a janitor in a high school and aware of my love for you, receiving my love for 10 minutes a day, I'd rather that than you doing 15 hours of amazing stuff for me a day. And Catherine, my next response was, no, 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 God, I will do anything but nothing for you. Again, my greatest Mm -hmm. fear is of looking back on a life and going, I wish I should have. And the split second after that, shockingly, no, 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 God, please don't ask me to do nothing for you. I felt like him going, Robbie, that's the ceiling of your experience of grace, of love, because you can't receive my love. You have to earn it. And that I've been spending pretty much a part-time effort of my life trying to understand the depths of my pride, my earning, my striving since then, because it's just, that was the ceiling of love for me, of grace, because I can't, it's just so much easier for me to earn God's love, to deserve it. I've lived most of my life as a Christian, professional Christian, who's like missionary in northern Pakistan. There was this equation that more right behavior plus less wrong behavior equals godliness and being right with God. And he's going, no, 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 no. That's so subtle, but so significantly different than the truth of the gospel, which is you can't do more, less wrong. That's why I did. And that is the, you're like, fundamentally missing the essence of grace and what I've made possible for you, which is unlocked by receiving what he already did and who I already am as a saint who occasionally sins, not a sinner striving to be a saint, which I had this mentality for. So that does not mean a life of complacency and abdication, but it means a life of trust, which looks like an adventure that has led me way beyond the fun the and it, the fun stuff of how I've been able to cause trouble for the kingdom doesn't look like passivity and stop doing stuff for me, but it looks like a trust and a motive and a posture of that is a lighter yoke and that feels more like peace and freedom and and so yeah, Pakistan was what I needed by being an amazing Christian to realize the depths of my pride 
how that every day I wake up going, I want to do more for God, earn his favor. And that is in the way of me receiving what he already did, which is in the way of me experiencing grace. And I get to trust that anew every day as part of the awesome journey of following Jesus. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I think I, I think those of us from the outside, I think you're right. We look at something like a missionary Pakistan. That's the extreme sports of Christianity right there, right? That's like the Olympians. And and you're saying that God took you all the way there to show you the depths of your pride and how we're identifying ourselves and things that that are not what God has called us. That's not the lens through which he has called us to see ourselves. It's not through our accomplishments. Yes, and it, and in a lot of our cases, it can get in the way of us experiencing yeah. what he made us for, which is to receive what he did, which is which and experience his love. Because I had read "Practice of the Presence of God" by mm-hmm. you know Brother Lawrence and "Humility" by Andrew Murray, and I knew all this stuff, and I had no idea the principles underpinning those truths. And I hear I've been in ministry leadership stuff. And people come to me, it's like, man, I'm going to do this thing. So then I can do this ministry thing. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to do this in order to then do something important. I'm like, no, 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 no. That is a lie that doing more for God will correlate to experiencing what you're longing for, which is God, which is yes. like, he's he doesn't need you to do anything. He invites you to in, like be a part of kingdom work with him. It's so subtle, but so significantly different, the motive of our heart. And so whoever's listening, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to get to a point where then I can do something for God. And it's like, no, the subtle lie in there is that you are, like the present is all that matters. And you have access to the God of the universe through the Holy Spirit in your life to be a part of kingdom work, to love differently whoever you come across with whatever you're doing today. And that is the kingdom work you get to be a part of through. And that is not any more important or special if you're in Pakistan or leading a ministry, or if you're sweeping floors, or if you're driving a school bus or whatever you're doing, stewarding that in your experience Mm -hmm. of God and how you love others during the day is all that matters. And we get to do that wherever we are. And the byproducts, the details are up to him. And that's all... Yeah, it, it's it's a big deal, and I read the I read the book The Cure after a lot of counseling and a lot of processing, and I was like, "Who? This is the clearest articulation of some of the principles I've been wrestling with." So, now uh, there's it's an allegorical book, and it's a hundred pagers, a hundred page book that teaches more theology identity than anything I'd read. And the premise is you come to a fork in the road in your life as a Christian, and there's a sign. And it says this way towards pleasing God and this way towards trusting God. Mm-hmm. And where those lead you, the pleasing God leads you to the room of good intentions and the trusting God leads you to the room of grace. And the story as it unfolds, I started seeing clearly articulated the motives and the significant and subtle difference between pleasing and trusting God that that has given me a lot of freedom. And so... I was at North Point Church with Andy Stanley at the time over groups. And I read that book and I was like, this needs to be the foundational teaching in every leader development pipeline, every single small group because to build a foundation for how we think of God and how we think of ourselves, which is the core of any of us as moms, dads, parents, leaders, how we see God and how we see ourselves is the core of any of our health. And so I bought enough boxes of the book that the author called me one day and said, who are you? And I was like, I'm a fan of everything you guys write. So those were the founders of True Face. And so that's mm-hmm. where I came about four years ago to steward that that message of grace and identity captured in the subtle statements of, do we see ourselves as sinners striving to be saints or as saints who occasionally sin? Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. And it changes how we parent, yep. how we think about ourselves, how we think about our kids, it changes everything. And I'm learning every day anew how that affects my relationships. That is so good. You know, and it's like on the one hand, we're talking about all of our, you know, you're talking about your relationship to God and how you see yourself as his son. 
as the person he created you to be and what you're finding your identity in. And as parents, you know, to transition over into how this applies to our parenting, we can't help our kids to understand this if we don't understand it ourselves. If we don't first and foremost understand this relational aspect that that we just need to be in the presence of God and experience the presence of God and allow his love and his grace to permeate our existence and to find our identity, not in mom, not in dad, not in missionary to Pakistan, not in podcaster, not in writer or a million other things that we do, but in child of God, most loved child of God who he sacrificed his life for. So how do we take this beautiful idea of identity that you're talking about and parlay that over into our discipleship of our kids? We live in a post-Christian world where identity is found anywhere and everywhere, but in the God who created us and in that relationship that we have to him. So how do we we transition and help our kids to understand these things that God taught you <laughs> while you were a missionary in Pakistan? I I think that's a, a massive question and I'll pull it. I, I want to go practical, but mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll, I'll add a couple points as to why there's a one-to-one correlation between your identity and your, re- and how you engage in your relationships. Mm-hmm. And this is like, Robbie Seminary and Robbie Professional Counselor and Robbie Trueface all mixed together so you can parse out where this comes. But how we think of God is often the greatest reflection of how we think of ourselves. And and how we think of ourselves is actually a greater reflect it's a greater indicator of how we think of God. And how we treat others is often a great indicator of how we treat ourselves. So let me put some words on that. If I see God as an angry, disappointed judge who's waiting for me to get my crap together to be more okay with me, and he's just waiting for me to do more right behaviors, sin less in order to be better with him, which a lot of us as Christians wake up with that. Let's just put words to it. He's a disappointed God waiting for me to get my stuff together. So I'm going to see myself as a sinner, as I have broken this relationship with God. I need to make it right. Now, if I see myself as a sinner, which simply describes my standing to who created me as a creator God who made me for relationships with him. Sin just breaks relationships. I sinned. I broke relationship with my father who created me for a relationship of love. So I'm just describing how I see myself in an identity word of, oh yeah, I'm a sinner. I broke relationship with God. Now, if I see myself as a sinner, then I need to do more right behavior, less wrong behavior to be better with God because he's angry, disappointed God. Now, I look at how that affects my my horizontal relationships with my kids, with my friends, with my spouse. If I see myself as a sinner, that says that leads to shame, which says you're a screw up. Guilt says you screwed up. Shame says you are a screw up. Mm-hmm. Shame is a reflection to an identity statement that I've broken relationship. So shame leads to hiddenness and hiddenness leads to being alone and disconnected. So if I see myself as a sinner, then and hard on myself, I need to do more to be better with God. Then I'm going to treat my kids in a way of, you need to do more, be better to to be the kid I need you to be. And partly because I have an insecure identity, it, mm. so I I add labels on top of that of like, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm a I'm a good mom. And so if you slap that label of good mom, then that pressure of you need to be a good kid in order to affirm this identity of me of being a good mom. So all that relational connection all hinged on identity in my interaction with God and with my kids. That looks like fear and control, all rooted in the chief sin of pride, which says I can. Simply pride, chief sin, pride pretty much says I can. And what I can looks like is do more right behavior, less wrong behavior. I can pose, be a better mom in order to have value, identity. And that looks like fear and control. On the flip side, if we spend more time living out of our identity as a saint, who Jesus says we are as an adopted love son of God, how do we see God? We see him as this loving father who there's nothing more we can do right or wrong to change 
how close we are, how much he loves us, that we are perfectly made righteous and there's nothing we can do better or worse to change our perfect access as adopted, forgiven, redeemed, righteous, justified, atoned sons and daughters of the king. We are saints who occasionally sin, not sinners striving to be saints. Out of that sainthood, that leads to a confidence in the security of my identity, which allows me to be vulnerable, which allows me to experience connection and love, which we're designed for. Mm-hmm. That looks like trusting and receiving, not fear and control. So the byproduct practically means when we are rooted in our identity as beloved sons and daughters, we see him through a lens of love and grace, and we're more predisposed to trust that he's a good, loving father who knows what's best for us. And imagine how that changes how we interact with our kids. If if how we treat others is the greatest reflection of how we treat ourselves, if we treat our if we see ourselves as saints, we treat our kids with more patience because we have more patience for ourselves. So with more grace because God loves us and redeemed it for us, and He's with us, and so we walk with them more. That. We build trust that way through parenting with grace. It's a lighter yoke. It feels more like peace and freedom and less fear and control. And so, I mean, we can go, I mean, that shows up practically every minute of the day. And we try to make, we we try to take shortcuts and bypass that thing, but really double clicking and wrestling with the identity connected to theology is the thing that would have the lasting impact that our kids will sense every day of their lives. And that shows up practically every day in regards to, do I need to, do I feel the pressure to fix them, to pose for them to look better for the sake of my identity? Mm -hmm. Or do I have a patience and a trust of God with my kids that looks like, or like praying for them and walking with them in an environment of trust and not this pressure to fix them that's hard as a parent. And we don't stand a chance walking with and building trust when we have the pressure to fix because we're seeing ourselves through an identity that we need to fix ourselves to be better with God. This is a deep process that is interconnected identity theology, but it affects our relationships, every relationship with our spouse and our children being the primary relationship that our identity mm-hmm. is reflects. Okay, I'm sensing the need to create some flowcharts here because of this. It, it's so, it's, and I've been through courses that have taught what you're talking about. And it's so critically important that we understand this as parents because we come to the table essentially seeing our kids as a, a, a reflection of who we are instead of our kids being who God uh, who God created them to be and ourselves who God created them to be. There are, you know, too often, and it's sad, there are a report card yes. of, a, of who we are as a parent. You know, and I've told this before, for newer listeners, I always like to to let them on. My tagline at the onset of this show was that this was a show about raising godly kids in an ungodly world. I was about a year into the show and I was feeling the heavy weight of that tagline on my shoulders. I'm like, because that's what we want as parents is our kids to be godly. And why do we want them to be godly? Obviously, because we'd like to live eternity with them and we love them more than our lives ourselves, you know, our, our, our own lives. But there's this need for them to be this reflection of who we are as a parent. And then we come to the realization that, oh my gosh, especially when they become teenagers and young adults, I I have no control over that. I have no control over whether they choose to be godly, which is why I switched my tagline to it's a podcast about being a godly parent in an ungodly world. And central to that is this core piece of identity that so many Christians are missing. And I know this 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 show is supposed to be about discipling our kids, but clearly where the Holy Spirit is taking this show today is helping us to understand who we are because we don't stand a chance, like you said, of really discipling discipling them to be who they are called to be in Christ if we don't first and foremost understand who we are in Christ. And that's not about the Christian resume we have and what amazing things that we can put on there about all of the things we've done for Christ 
all of the ministry we've done or we haven't done. That might hopefully set some parents free out there who are looking at their resume thinking, you know, that they haven't done enough. It's not about that. It's about understanding who we are in Christ and allowing that relationship to our kids to flow through that. Because I I know there, there are times when we screw up as parents and royally, and it's generally, like you said, because we want our kids to be this reflection of our parenting and they're supposed to be perfect so we can feel better about who I am as a mom and you are as a dad. But that's not what this is about. Our, our, we're supposed to be training our kids to relate to God. And so how can we do that practically? So you, you've unpacked a lot of theology here for us. How does this show up practically in our parenting with our kids to teach them that who they are in Christ isn't about their report card or whether they made it, they were the MVP on their their team it's not about their performance, you know, that they were the one selected for the worship team or the solo. Yeah. It's about relationship with yep. God. Yep. This is one of those things that we know that we need to remind each other of every day. Mm-hmm. Because I am a high drive, high achiever. I, I've, yeah. I could write the book on this stuff and being an awesome Christian and this and that. And, and I will s- reiterate it comes down to this, just like we all know this. And I'm just reminding us of this annoying truth that it is not a matter of, did you do this new study with your kids? Did you teach them this thing at this age? Were you that intentional? Did you do this practical step in that practical step? That's 10%. 90% of the equation is, do you experience of relationship with a loving father in heaven? And do you see yourself as his child and loved? And do you see yourself secure as a saint in your identity? And do you does that show up in your marriage with your wife? And are you praying more for your kids because you're trusting him with the outcomes instead of carrying the pressure of the outcomes? Mm. Like you just said, a lot of us, we wake up with the pressure of our kids are a reflection of us and therefore they better, better, better. That pressure on them is overwhelming. I told a mentor one time, one of my primary goals in life was to be the best dad ever. And he said, that's terrible because <laughs> that is so much pressure on your kids. Oh, um, yeah. He, he said, just love your kids, know their heart, pray for them, and love God and love your wife. And they, that will be a compelling, authentic way of following of, of what Jesus has to offer mm-hmm. in regards to what we're all longing for. All of us are, whether we're 12 or whether we're 72, let's be real. We are long, we're answering the same questions of what's the point in life? What matters? What am I made for? This is so simple. We are designed by a relational God for relationships of love. We long for love. We long to experience love, to be known, to be needed, to have purpose, to have significance. Purpose, significance are evidenced by how much of our life is given away, which looks like love, which is the giving and the receiving of needs being met. Anyways, we all long for love. And so our kids will be longing for that just like we are. If we're not experiencing a loving relationship with God and with our spouse, they will look elsewhere for what they are looking for. Mm-hmm. regardless of what you say or what you do. And and so if we say and do nothing practically, but we but they see that we love this father in heaven that's made a relationship with us accessible and that we want to like that that he, his presence is the thing that's most valuable to us. And our spouse is this like that we love our spouse as a byproduct of that love. That's 90%. And so the best thing you can do to be intentional for your kids is spend time with Jesus and pursue your spouse and pray for them. Because if you've, you know, if we have access to the God of the universe and we can, with Jesus interceding on our behalf, like if we really love our kids, we're going to pray for them more than you know, do some Bible study to feel better because Joe over here or Sarah over Mm -hmm. here is like doing this awesome study and this practical thing. No, our kids will see, do we love Jesus? And we do, do we love our spouse? That is what they're longing for. That's what the world's longing for. And 
the world is throwing lies at them, as we know, as you talk about on this podcast so much. And the Mm -hmm. world is giving alternative options for what they're longing for. Mm -hmm. And you have the opportunity to live into it for yourself. And God will take care of what your kids see in that. But if you're doing that faith for the sake of your kids seeing it, we smell that in each other in 10 seconds. So you better believe our kids are going to see it. And it also often does more harm than good Mm -hmm. uh, when parents, because they should do these uh, I, I talked to Aaron Weideman on my podcast and she left the faith at 16 because mm-hmm. it was super Christian household. But she was like, this feels like this, this religious structure or scaffolding to build a life around that's not authentic. And so she went looking for what the world has to offer. Of course, that comes up empty and it focuses on you will find the answers in and of yourself, mm-hmm. which is an impossibility because God designed us for him to meet the needs of what we're looking for. Again, I'm I'm going long-winded and not answering your question of practical, but practically love God and love your spouse and pray for your kids and give yourself grace about everything else. Mm-hmm. Give yourself grace to just love your kid and enjoy your kid. And the the practical thing that mentors have told me that the greatest check I can do is periodically, and I put this on my calendar, check in, journal. Think about the question, do I know my kid's heart and am I caring for it? Mm-hmm. They said, if you ask that question, do I know Zane's heart right now? Do I know what makes Zane come alive? Do I know what he's thinking about processing and am I caring for it? Am I just being with him in it? Mm-hmm. If I do that, that's the other 90% practically of how I can mm-hmm. walk with Zane in this season do I know what Zane's heart is and am I caring for it? Am I engaging in it, stoking it? And that's the unique purpose, unique design you're talking about. And and it's helpful, Catherine, the, the specific and shared identities are really important to differentiate here. Shared identity is the horse before the cart. You got to start shared identity, which is why I started this podcast talking shared identity. You and I are sons and daughters of the king. Right. We are saints who occasionally send us and are striving to be saints. Now, that is a part of the, you got to have shared identity right before specific identity. Specific identity says, when God sees you, he does not say, see daughter number one, my wife is daughter number two, Robbie is son one. He goes, oh, let me tell you about Catherine, my daughter. She's this left arm ligament as the in the body of Christ. I made her this way and this way, and I love this about her. If we don't know our specific identities, we're limited in living into this partnering with him in kingdom work, which is this adventurously expectant life of uh, this adventure of trusting and following Jesus, which he's led me all over the world to do. And so just like for me, I got to have a foundation of my, my shared identity that we're, Mm -hmm. I'm a saint, I'm a son. Then I get to ask him, okay, as your son, how do you see me? And do I listen to him and tell and trust how he sees me? Because then I can live into the specific way he's made me and how I can partner with him and reflect him on this earth. And that's what we get to do for our kids practically. And that question leads to specific identity, which says, if we don't know our kids' hearts, we can't care for our kids' hearts of going, he made, I've got two sets of twins, you know, they're both fraternal, like they are night and day difference. And Mm -hmm. if I don't know and care for their hearts, I can't encourage Moses to live into his strengths, which are so different than Zane and Emmy and Eli and Jude and Titus and Valor and Naomi and each of them nurturing into their specific identity mm-hmm. as they get to represent God in a unique way in his Imago day and his image to people around them. We get at, God wants to do that with us. Everybody listening to this as parents, he wants us to ask him, how do you see us, God? What is our specific identity to live into that today, not tomorrow, today, wherever we are? And what a gift that we get to do that with our kids practically and specifically today. Slow down, be present, and practically say, God, what do you want me to know about Zane's heart and how you specifically made him? And as his dad, as his mom, we get to encourage that unique design that we see it amazingly. That's something practically we can do today around specific identity, connected to the question, do I know and care for my kid's heart? 
on the foundation of shared identity that they are sons and daughters of the king. And that's a mm-hmm. light yoke of freedom that we get to have as a parent and we get to give our kids. There's so much there. It's like I have a million thoughts of ways we could go. But, you know, uh, when you're talking about that specific identity, I'm reminded of Mary in the Bible. When she saw certain things in Jesus, she hid them in her heart. And as parents, what we do to find that specific identity of our child, of course, we need to teach them the shared identity, that they are loved sons and daughters of the king. And and I think sometimes where I know I fail is that I'm not perfectly patient like my heavenly father. And and there are times when I teach my child, unfortunately, that the one that's in authority over them, you know, is wanting a certain performance from them and not loving them regardless. And we need to, you know, when in those moments where I've failed, which are many and too many to count, but going to your child, I would suggest in each and every instance and saying, I screwed up. I was not patient with you. I was looking for a particular performance metric here and you failed. And you know what? You're going to fail again. And you know what? Mommy fails too. I failed you. And, and please forgive me. That's the best, one of the best ways I think we can help our kids to try to understand. Because when we don't do that, we give them the wrong representation of God, especially as they're, yes. they're younger, they're growing up thinking, well, the one in authority over me demands these certain, the, the room has to be a certain way. And I have to do, you know, all of the grades have to be a certain way and the performance has to be perfect. And so we got to his parents learn how to see ourselves correctly, as we were saying before, and then pray this prayer every morning. This is practical. Lord, help me to exemplify you in my parenting. And when I fail, help me first convict me and help me to be humble enough to apologize and repent before my child. But what you were saying about the specific identity, that helps us to, to impart the shared identity, that they are secure. They need to be secure in our love for them, regardless of their performance, because we need to be secure in our Heavenly Father's love of us, regardless of our performance. But in regards to the specific identity, I love those scriptures where Mary hid something in her heart because she saw these things about Jesus. And I've had those moments as a mother. And I encourage you, any parent out there, to look over your children and say, Lord, show me. What is that thing about this child? Show me those aspects of this child's character that are unique. And one that I absolutely love, I've shared a couple of times on this show, when my middle child, her name is Avonlea, Anna Green Gables fan here, absolutely. I mean, she doesn't get this. So that was my idea for her, right? And she doesn't really like to read so much. So <laughs> best laid plans of mice and men. But so Avonlea, when she was about two years old, she was in a nursery. And the nursery worker was a friend of mine named Rochelle. And she told me what happened after I dropped her off. This other kid named Noah comes in and he was very upset to be separated from his parents. He immediately went into the corner, sat down and was crying. Next thing she looks over and Avonlea, my two-year-old, is in the corner sitting next to Noah holding his hand, not saying a word. You can't teach a kid to do that, right? So like Mary, I took that instance and I hid it in my heart. That's a part of her specific identity in the body of Christ that she notices the people on the outskirts. And here I am. Now she's 13. And I'm like, Lord, who is this child? Because I'm having trouble relating. I was having trouble. This was like, I don't know, six months, a year ago. I was having trouble relating to her because I couldn't find her passion. And I'm like, God, help us to find her passion. Lo and behold, she gets invited to something that it's civil air patrol. Okay. It's like a military thing. I'm an artist. My husband's in hospitality. We've never done ROTC, nothing military. We don't really have any kind of military aspect in our family. She loves this. And you know why? They're going to train her to be um, in CPR. And she wants to be, she's thinking of being a paramedic and she wants a search and rescue because this. she wants to find those people who are lost, right? She's still that kid in the nursery who sees the people on the outskirts and how God's going to apply it. I never knew. And all of a sudden, this kid who I thought was kind of aimless and passionless suddenly has this fire in her belly and learning drills and all of this stuff. And I'm like, it's incredible. So 
I would encourage parents out there, Lord, to just to pray that prayer. Lord, what are those moments? Hide them in your heart. Write them down. And when you see it, then you can really partner with that child and flaming who God has created them to be and investing in that and encouraging them in that, however different that might be from anything you've ever done in your life. But that's the specific identity. And each one of our kids have it because each one of us has it. That's so how, how have you done that in your family, with your kids, with those specific identities uh, of helping to disciple that along and enc- encouraging them to be who God has created them to be, obviously corporately in the body of Christ, but now specifically who he's called each and every one of them to be? Yeah, I just to reiterate the difficult, annoying principle that for everybody listening is we we as parents want to jump straight to that for our kids without doing it for ourselves. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I was thinking that when I was asking the question, I'm like, I'm saying this. And yet there are a lot of parents out there who may have never done that for themselves. So we got to start there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in a season right now. Jamie Winship wrote a book, Living Fearless on Specific Identity, really good, which he says, ask God and listen to him. And so I've been doing that this year of going, God, how have you made me? And the more I'm asking God, how have you made me? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? The That is affecting how I look for that in my kids' lives. I'm starting to pray for them. It, it, it's a byproduct of, out of authenticity of it being a real thing in my life, right. not a thing that I should do. If I'm actively doing it, that's going to trickle out into actively doing it with my kids. Uh, like, So I just did a... Uh, adventure trip with my 10 year old Jude. We do different milestones. When you have eight kids, you got to like make milestones. So you're, you have less of a counseling bill for your kids. <laughs> my dad never knew me. My dad never spent time with me. Like, you know, all the stuff they're going to say, cause they're one of eight. And so I just did it. And I found myself going, God, what do you want me to know and do about Jude? Like about who mm-hmm. you made Jude to be that you want me to say? And I did 10-year-old adventure trip with Moses and Zane two years ago, and I I wasn't praying that or doing that as much because I wasn't doing that in my own life. Mm-hmm. And so so just practically for your do ask God for yourself first and it'll show up you doing it. Yes. But the other thing is just I put it on our wall. Practically, what do you do to remind your kids? I put we have a family motto, angle family established 2004 or whenever. Um that we are sons and daughters of the king, shared identity, on an epic adventure, which says trusting Jesus is awesome, and that's the source of what we're longing for, because sex, drugs, and rock and roll are going to scream at them, and the lies of the world are going to go, This you want to be a part of an epic adventure and what find what you're looking for? Here, we've got answers. And so mm-hmm. that's where we go, no, 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 trust in Jesus, and we want you know our life to reflect that. So sons and daughters of the king on an epic adventure, uniquely designed by God on purpose mm-hmm. for a purpose. And so that that connects to adventure, is connected to purpose, and that has shared identity leading into specific identity that were uniquely designed by God and on purpose. He loves us and he knows us. And so we get to ask him. So practically that statement is on our wall and there's really good framework for how to do this through story. Uh, Bill Hendricks, he's the son of Howard Hendricks, who's like this great professor from Dallas Theological Seminary, like renowned. He, he passed away. So his son, Bill Hendricks, started the Giftedness Center, mm-hmm. a great thought leader, and he wrote a book on parent for parents to a process of identifying your gifts, the unique gifts of your children through story. And so there's a super easy framework he sets up. So Emily and I do that. We are asking, we are looking for stories like you just modeled about your daughter at two. And mm-hmm. you're capturing those strengths and and reflecting back to them what you see yes in them and you know getting rhythms of that it's so easy to say Moses do this do that stop doing this stop doing that but man if we can start thinking through a lens of giftedness and say huh I reflect back what we see as gift gifts that God's given him that is a way we start planting seeds of specific identity in our kids by reflecting 
affirmations and positive things we see them doing. And we can do that today. So practically, Mm -hmm. whatever you see, whatever you hear subtle, reflect back the positive affirmation of what you see. And that is how you did that's authentic. And that plants a seed of specific identity around giftedness into your kid's life. And you can do that today with your kid. Go home, listen to what their day, whatever they say, catch them doing something right and reflect back a strength underlying that. Oh, yeah, that is all. Now, what was that resource again? I, I wasn't familiar with that. If you go to Giftedness Center, Google Giftedness <laughs> Center, Bill Hendricks. Uh-huh. He's got a great study on Right Now Media, a small group study. Mm-hmm. You could check out if you want a Cliff Notes version of it. But I can't remember the title of the book, but you'll find it. There's one on parenting. There's one on the person called you is for all of us. And then there's one on parenting as well. And, so, and that's where you uh, learned. You said they had the sh- those stories that helped you to find your kids' strengths. Yeah, it, it just it it's stuff we know, but yeah. good. But there's nothing new under the sun. We're all talking. Hopefully, this whole podcast is reminders of complex truths that we get to apply at, over and over every day, which is spiritual formation and maturing, reminding ourselves of truths every day. But his he his framework is looking for giftedness, yes. specific identity through stories and how we reflect on our childhood. And so as your friend, Catherine, we could do this process together where I could go, Catherine, reflect back on some stories from middle school or high school where, you you know, that you look on favorably. Tell me, spend five or 10 minutes and I'm looking for thread lines and patterns of strengths yeah. where you came alive and 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 then I, re- I get to reflect back to you some of that because it's looking back at the thread line of our heart and our history to identify the unique strengths, the gifts that you have. And that is your that will point you towards your specific identity. And we can do that with each other and we can do that with our kids. I oh I'm thinking of all of these stories of all of my kids, you know, of things throughout their life that was one of those little pricks from the Holy Spirit, just like Mary, she hid it in her heart. Yes. And so I would encourage parents to think back over your children's lives. Where were those moments where something stuck out, where the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, hey, looky here, something. Uh, actually, I, this is kind of funny. I actually had a, a theory at one point that how you potty train your kids had something to do with who they're created to be a little bit. It's, it's funny. I know you'll have to bear with me, but I like it's all about motivation. Some kids like the stars and the treats and stuff. And then like like my first one did. My second one, my son, that didn't motivate him. And so part of it is what motivates your kid. What motivated my son was, hey, this is what big boys do and kind of feeding something inside of his spirit. My third one was the one I had to have run around. She's my Avonlea, the compassionate one, but she's the one I had to have run around with, you know, a long T-shirt on and nothing else, you know, when the bottom drops out. So anyways, the point is, is what motivates your child? What excites your child? And you can see that in toddler age. And and with my son, though, what was interesting, I had to motivate him by speaking to him about what big boys do. His name literally means, his name is Bennett Alexander. It means blessed defender of men. And God, on one of those moments when he when he got saved his father led him to christ the lord showed me so clearly that his name was not an accident that he is a blessed defender of men and because god had created him to defend what it means to be a godly man in our culture that's who he had created him to be and i could even see a little bit of how whenever i encourage that son all i have to do i don't have to buy him anything I don't have to do anything super special. I speak words into his spirit about being a godly man. And suddenly I just see him stand up straighter, walk a little taller, and God's created him to be a leader. And so as parents, I love that idea of just looking back over your kids' lives. What are those moments? Like you said, you can do it over the course of a single day, but really looking back over seasons of their lives and, 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 what are those moments that stand out to you about who this kid that, that makes what makes them unique? And when you see it, speak into it. OK, when you see it, just encourage it. Get out a megaphone, get out your pom poms and speak and say, hey, 
This is who God created you to be. He created you to be compassionate and notice the kid on the outskirts, or he created you to have a sense of identity of what it means to be a godly man in our culture. My oldest is a dot connector, and she's just brilliant at seeing these patterns in history. And I'm like, God has created you with this gift intellectually to see things historically that other people just miss and he's going to use that gift for his kingdom for his glory and for his purposes and when we speak as a parent with our pom-poms and with our megaphones we're the biggest cheerleaders in our kids lives we got a front row seat to who god created them to be and that's why i end every show saying that you hold the key as a parent to unlocking who your kids are created to be because god has put you in that unique and special relationship to see them up front and center for the first 18 plus years of their lives. So we have that ability as parents to to be the biggest influencer in who God's created them to be. And when we see it, we speak into it. Uh, any final thoughts you have on and discipling our kids in this crazy world? To do what you just said as the practical takeaway, that's the final thought. You, yeah. Us listening just there's something that just came to mind about our kids. So you, we just reflect that to them today. Yep. Today, just say, hey, I was thinking about you earlier, how when you were four, you did this. That is unique. That's a unique gift mm-hmm. in you. I was just thinking about that. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't yeah. make it some big thing. Just reflect that back today and be be praying for your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I think that's a often an indicator and a practice of humility for me. Humility says I can't, pride says I can. And in parenting, a lot of times it looks like fear and control for me. And what does humility look like? It looks like trusting that God knows what's best for my kids. So that looks like peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness. And so how I practice trusting the spirit, trusting God with my kids is in prayer. Prayer is like going to the gym and practicing trust, which is humility, which is what we get to do every day and go, God, trust you with them because you're a good loving father who knows what's best for their life. And I can trust you with their lives. And that is the light yoke, the peace and the freedom that we get as, as sons and daughters of the King that is different for us as Jesus followers. And so that's my prayer for all of us listening that that we experience the peace and freedom of our relationship with our father and our kids feel that and sense that because we trust our father with them as well, which is hard to do. And we need to do it every day. And that's the process of forming into the likeness of Christ. Amen. Amen. Robbie, I cannot thank you enough for spending this time with me and my listeners and sharing your wealth of expertise, both as a parent and as a discipler in the body of Christ and really helping us to understand our identity. I encourage you moms and dads, if you aren't clear on this, go and seek out some of these wonderful resources that Robbie has. Uh, Please tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and your ministry and what you have to offer, Robbie. Yeah, well, the founders of the ministry wrote a book, The Cure and Parents, on how to parent through a lens of grace and build trust as the primary goal with your kids, not fixing them. And you can check out the True Face podcast or the our resources for your small groups, your church at True Face Life app or at trueface.org. There you have it, moms and dads. Check out True Face and consider how your church, your friends, your family might benefit from all the amazing, amazing things that this ministry has to offer. Thank you again, Robbie. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Yasrin. See ya. I just loved this conversation with Robbie. Understanding our identity in Christ is so central to our walk with God, which makes it so central to our parenting and our discipleship of our kids and their understanding of who God has created them to be. If we miss the core component of identity, moms and dads, that's going to show up everywhere, like literally everywhere else. You know, as I've reflected on this conversation, I have had so many additional thoughts. I've got a follow-up podcast in mind to really impact the issue of identity in our culture as it applies to the next generation. This is huge, moms and dads. Identity is a central issue that this generation faces. It is the predominant 
even an issue that is bombarding our kids every single day. It like whacks them upside the head the second they get out of bed in the morning. So that will be coming up soon. If not in the next episode, then very soon after. Until then, rest in the knowledge that you are a child of God. Your heavenly Father loves you. He, he adores you. He is a proud Papa. When it comes to you, and if you have accepted the sacrifice he made for you on the cross, you are redeemed. You are a saint who occasionally screws up, but your identity is secure in him. You don't have to earn it. In fact, you can't earn it. You just have to receive it. And as you receive the love of your Heavenly Father, as your identity is found in him, you will be able to parent from a healthy, godly place. And you will help your kids to find that place of peace and security in Christ as well. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now. And I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me from a next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and following me on Facebook and Instagram? Oh, oh and maybe you could say that Christian Parent Crazy World is the best podcast you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, Just a thought. Uh, And be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.